1: Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast here with Benji for the recap of the Vuelta España Stage 6. We've got it, a good stage. In fact, I think this is an outstanding stage, one I'll remember for quite a while. Uh, thanks to Lacole for supporting the podcast. The profile, it looks boring. I was worried, 160Ks long. We've got a descent, and then they're on pancake flat exposed roads near the coastline. Everyone's been mashing their thumbs on Twitter, crosswinds, 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 the last two days. Got a little bit quieter today. Well, got a little bit more exciting later in this stage when we all thought it calmed down. Then it finished with a 2K, 8.7% climb, the Alto de la Montaña de Coggera. I think they've used it in Valenciana before maybe where Pog went crazy. Can't remember. But anyway, it was – Rolich was a heavy favourite. He's like – the best puncher here because al not here. Um, so it's really where the Jumbo wanted to control. And Benji was pretty prescient yesterday saying, Lantern, don't assume GC is going to be up for chasing all day. Yeah,
0: I wasn't expecting that. And we had a breakaway that actually had a long time of preparation trying to get away people. And first of all, Many riders tried to get away. Sharkman tried to get away. Rubio, Kleis, Van Marke, Andreas Kron tried like twice already as well. Florian Senechal. Uh, we had a break that actually had a bit of time with Soto and now De Wolf, Kron, and so forth. But eventually that one got caught as well. And eventually the ultimate breakaway formed. Well, not the ultimate when it comes to the riders in it, but some decent representation. Ryan Gibbons for UAE. We have Jean Beau. I hope that's how you pronounce it for Euskaltel. We have yetzebol for Burgos BH. We have Magnus Ilsen for YF Education First and Bertian Lindemann for Quebeca, Assos and that other brand I forgot about that is into crypto. But we also had one chaser, Guy Niv, who eventually got caught again. And that is very sad. So uh, F in the chat for Guy Niv. But for, before we go any further, we have a wonderful, wonderful story about <laughs> birds.
1: Well, okay, so I've been pretty <laughs> depressed the last couple of days. You see, the world has not been so good. This is, by the way, lantern story time. Sorry for you all. And I'm like, this stage might not be good. I go for a big hike. I go over uh, Col de Jovel. I, I, I've got the shot the other, the other, second shot the other day and I get to the top. It's like up at 1,800 meters, I go past Col de Jovel and I just bomb completely. I've only had one bar. I won't say the brand because, you know, you got to pay for shout outs on this pod and I'm lying there. I look down at my phone. I open PCS. I see a break, six minutes, no one chasing. I go, you got to be kidding me. I look up at the sky. There's like three huge buzzards just circling. One comes down like pretty low. These They're fucking big. And he's looking looking at me and I just look, look up and I just think, just take me. Just do it. Like I'm not going down <laughs> and doing a pod on another non-GC day. Just end it because my legs are cooked as well. <laughs> They didn't. I went back into the shade, walked back down, come home, and then all of a sudden bike exchange <laughs> decided to improve my life significantly pacing. I was like, bike exchange? And it was for Matthews, obviously. I was like, didn't they watch Paranese Stage 6, 2K, 6%? Roglic gave the lead out to Matthews and toasted him. I mean, good on them. But, um, yeah, were you surprised they took it up and surprised TJV didn't pace Benji? By the way, I'm going to put the photos in the on YouTube of uh, the buzzards so for proof.
0: I'm glad they took it up and I think our opinion on whether they should have taken it up would all depend on how the outcome of the stage would go if they catch a break and Matthews had a competitive element in that then it's worthy for them to take the front but I honestly didn't know looking at the profile whether he would be competitive uh, but like you said yesterday it might be worth trying if you have like a 10% or a 5% or a 15% chance of winning a stage on a stage like this Because it's honestly not the craziest stage to control, but then something happened and it was called wind and somebody was not happy. And that was mainly Kenny Elisonde, but uh, the rest of the peloton as well, because the peloton started splitting up left and right. And who was really the teams that were involved in creating it? Because usually you have the likes of uh, the Koenig, but this time around the need was Ineos, right?
1: yeah it's crazy, like these notiveves Pidcog, cog Bernal Carapaz, they're all about you know all under about five foot eight sixty kilos. they're shredding it. They go through this town they're gonna do it twice and it's flat, exposed, really narrow road, it's like spanish uh yeah Spanish alarms territory and except for the dusty road and they split it. And not just like oh, a few guys off the back. I don't know where Adam Yates was. He's always working on the back of the peloton. We couldn't really see. Carthy, who is permanently at the back of the peloton, he was got, not even G2. He was like G5. Kenny went completely over the limit. Kenny Lissonde, like he eventually, it wasn't that long and the, the action stopped. But, it definitely destroyed the legs of a lot of riders because, yeah, G2, G3 started coming back. I think I am not sure where Lander was. I saw Haig there, but no other Bahrain guys. And, yeah, Kenny's getting passed by other guys. So I'm like, well, at this point, even if Elisande comes back, he's five seconds ahead of Roglic. Red yep. jersey is like a – red jersey is 100% guaranteed for Roglic. So they can't avoid the red jersey because they're going to have to pace the climb. The break is now at a minute 50, two minutes. And then they go back and, well – who, who would you say was the worst of the GC contenders in terms of fairing in those crosswinds, Benji? Well, it's 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 clear,
0: I think, that Hugh Garfield is horrendous at it. And it's mainly because before Echelon started, they were always at the back. Yesterday as well, when the echelon nervousness happened, they were at the back of the peloton when they started. And it's during the echelons that they try and move up. But usually that's too late because the split-ups already happened in front of you. So today, Garfield was in one of the last echelons as well in the race. He came back to that group. and. With like 9k to go, something odd happened. It was just him with a teammate just dropping on the back of the peloton where Movistar was still pacing to try and get the rest of the breakaway back because those lads were still up front or at least, well, yeah, basically all those lads, they hadn't actually split up yet from that point onwards. So yeah, coffee is not looking good in that terrain. And he, uh, he was off the bag before the climb. They got him back once again with the team pacing again. But you know that if you get dropped, Five kilometers before a climb of two kilometers where Roglic is best at, you're going to get dropped on the climb again.
1: <laughs> like, Yeah, exactly. It's a pretty
0: obvious point, but yeah, Movistar kept on chasing and the break had a solid, how much? 30 seconds at the bottom? 20 seconds? Something
1: like that? Before we get into this final climb, just a further note on our show partner, LaCole, who produced performance cycling apparel. They also produce custom kits all over the world if you've got a group of friends that like riding if you're at a club etc they've been doing that sustainably for years now and yeah if you want to check that out it's at www.lacole.cc. the link is in the description there is also the lightweight summer kit and all of this can be had uh, with lr of 20 the discount code lr of 20 gives you 20% off even discounted item so there's some pretty crazy steals to be had i just want to mention a few things in the run-in so okay i think magnus court might have been underestimated a little bit although movistar were just pacing as i said red is inevitable for Roglic. he has to the climb is going to be done full so there's no Oh, you are going to do less effort if the break wins the climb is going to be done full and not only did jumbo visma not pace at all maybe conserving their riders to you know ensure there's bonus seconds available for him, the five-star favorite for this finish, they also had him in pretty bad position at the base. And Movistar actually, Movistar kept their riders in really good position going into the run-in. I mean, as I keep saying it, Irvati, Verona, underrated domestiques. Those guys, are, I think they perform when they need to and given clear instructions. Mal was looking good on the crosswinds. I was like, what price has certain riders paid for this action beforehand? Because yes, we didn't see riders losing two minutes in crosswinds, but there's a price to be paid for, you know, the two times that people were trying to split it out of that town. And, you know, Bernal and Co. were at the front, and maybe Yates was maybe Yates was out of position having to close things himself. Anyway, as as Benji said, they're going to the base. And yeah, Ineos, I think I think the plan was pretty fluid in that. This is not the day for them. They think Roglic is the favorite for this stage. And yet, when they saw maybe that, okay, you've got Yumbo 20th wheel, maybe further back, and Ineos got their guys at the front, thanks to Dylan Van Baal, it seemed like an opportunity for them, Benji, but I couldn't really ascertain what their plan was because to me, it just looked like Narvaez thrashing around.
0: (laughs) Yes. I feel like they they launched at the bottom of the climb with Narvaez and we saw his teammates, well, his leaders, actually, Bernal, Yates, and so forth, having trouble following his wheel. So explosive at the bottom that, yeah, it feels like they tried to use the opportunity that Roglic was not in their wheel because Roglic apparently had to move up very late alone because the rest of his team was sitting in 25th position, something like that. So, yeah, we've got Ravias going very explosive at the bottom, and we see that it's going too hard for his teammates because, well, his leader has to go to the side, Yates. He has to move out of the train because he can't follow the tempo of Narvaez there. So what would have happened if Narvaez is not going that ham? Well, probably Yates would have blown up a bit later on the climb. But yeah, this shows that the pace of Narvaez was certainly a bit too hard for for those two. But what's your take on that?
1: It didn't make sense to me. I think what they should have done is instead of closing the gaps to their own teammate for the other riders, Mm -hmm. is I think Narvaez should have obviously done smoother. And I was expecting Bernal to let Carapaz wheel go. That's what I was expecting. you got narrow yeah. run in. have no advice pacing Carapaz. Bernal let the wheel go. Goes back and sits in the group. whatever. Sits in, you know, tries to conserve a little bit. Instead, he's closing basically to his own teammates for everyone else. And Roglic, yeah, he's, it, it played out perfectly for Roglic, really, apart from his team not pacing before the climb. Up front, by the way, we have the tension of will they still catch the break? Because, yeah, 30 seconds at the base. Magnus Court has been doing, like, Double pulls in the break the whole day, uh the Danish rider for EF. He, I think, who was the Quebecer rider, Benji? Uh, Badkin Lindemann. They were working together. They were, Those two were the Krim the croppy I think he followed the Ouskotel rider who attacked at the, at the base. <laughs> and then it was those two working. Court drops him and then he's just riding his pace solo. He's looking back, riding his pace solo. Now, the rise has eaten into him so quickly. And then the t- TV coverage just shits itself basically like, we, I couldn't, no one could see what was going on. They were showing Kenny's been dropped, like not surprising, like he's losing the red jersey, okay, got it. And then it's like helicopter shot we can't see. It's also like quite whitewashed because the dust and everything and it's just, yeah, no fixed cameras. It was very well, difficult to see what was going on. I, th-
0: I think Ken has attacked. I think it's logical that ASO chose to do that because, well, they know you've been bird watching all day, so <laughs> you have some binoculars to look at the riders now.
1: Huh? I don't bring binoculars. <laughs> <laughs> I think Carapaz attacked. I think, but I don't. It's hard to say. He then sort of cracked, yeah. And then we had Michael Matthews, who Bex had been pacing for, for a lot of the stage, coming up with Vlasov on his wheel. Matthews almost panicking because the, the GC action stopped. And this is where Roglic, we suddenly see him appear fourth wheel. Happy days for him. Perfect. It slowed. He's been riding his own tempo, sits into fourth wheel. No worries. Bagioli's on his wheel of there as well. I think Movistar had also tried to get through a couple of the corners. It's, twist, like it's corners here with Mal and Mas. They couldn't really get any purchase. And it was really Matthews Benji attacking with Vlasov on his wheel, which it surprised me, frankly. Firstly, incredible level from Matthews. Secondly, I don't know why he's doing that tactically. Uh, do you think he was just worried about court about six seconds ahead of him?
0: Yeah, I think it's a bit of a panic mode. You've got just. I think like 700, 800 meters towards the top and he's sitting in a group where Roglic is still in because Roglic has not dropped yet. So perhaps he's like, what if I get my advantage beforehand because I'm a bit scared of doing it 1v1 versus Roglic again because we know what happened in the past when I did that and I still need to catch court. So perhaps if I do it now, the moment where Roglic is still at the back of the group, might be able to get a bit of a gap and might get that going. But yeah, that's unlikely to happen because Roglic always keeps his energy for the the last portion of it. But it was just so noticeable to me that Roglic played this so calmly, this entire climb, moving up rider by rider. And it was a bit like you're playing Where's Waldo, or what that is called, Where's Wally? Uh, and you have to look where Roglic is, and he was always sitting after somebody. And then in the last 700 meters, he started to uh, move up, and it was uh, clear that he was going to try at least something to close. The gap towards court a bit
1: yeah it, eventually roglic starts his long attack we saw this in uh stage six of Paranis. as i said we see it at the end of stage seven paranese the same attack where he came over gino made at the end and the same thing happens today we've got court who's not like cracked he still looks visibly very strong there's a left hand bend in the last like 35 meters and roglic is gaining on court so quickly in the last 150 i think if this is it levels off a little bit, which is good for court. We've got Bangioli, the young Italian on kind of quick step on Roglic's wheel. Roglic crazy. drops him. Yeah, crazy level. We'll talk about him in a second. Roglic drops him, but court gets to that left-hand corner first with a little, and Roglic isn't on his wheel either. He's able to punch out of it. And I think, I don't think this was gifted. I think court wins the stage head-to-head. Incredible stage from court after being the strongest and pulling the most in the break. Roglic coming second on the same time as him just after. Taking six bonus seconds, not the 10. Bagioli third on two seconds. Then Vlasov and Mas on four. Very good from them on four seconds behind Roglic. Then Matthews sixth. Bernal on eight seconds with Valverde. Then Lopez-Groshan at, at nine and 16. So big loses today, Benji. Adam Yates, 25 seconds off Roglic. And Landa and Carapaz twenty seven seconds back. That's that's a huge gap for such a short climb.
0: Yeah, certainly. And Landa, that's a bit unfortunate that it happens on a stage like this. You know, because usually on on these two kilometer stages and so forth, you'd expect to be able to uh, keep the gap limited. But that is not the case because the most explosive riders can actually create a gap on a climb like this. And in a longer climb, Landa can keep that gap limited because he's got a longer climbing span to to try and stay with the riders up front without them being such explosive riders in the last kilometer but with Roglic we still have that on the other climbs as well to be fair but um like i think that it's a real shame for him that he lost time here Gotapasz not really a surprise but i wonder if he would have been a bit closer if Nervoza didn't explode that hard at the bottom for example but then again it's it's only because Nervoza is super strong today Kron being on 17th in between those riders is absolutely insane with Alex Aramburu there as well. just want to note that no connection between me and him and so forth. But um, what's most curious to me is that De La Cruz is actually doing a relatively decent Grand Tour so far. Yeah, solid. He's not close in GC anymore. And I actually don't remember where he lost the majority of his time, to be fairly honest. But I've got the feeling that Paul is working here today for him, also with a solid result. Groschartner pretty far up there, but a bit under what I would have expected for him here. But I feel like this climb went more towards a GC people than I initially expected, except for Bajoli then, because he just simply did what you proposed he could do today, yesterday, because you mentioned him for a potential win here as an outsider, because you know Roglic was the favorite here. And uh, we also mentioned a potential breakaway winning it, but I didn't expect it to be that close because... I was expecting either the breakaway goes, and they don't care, or the breakaway doesn't go, and they do care, but (laughs) I didn't expect it to be like one meter of difference, but about the (laughs) gifting, like, there's arguments for it. So obviously Roglic could have in his mind, well, what happened with Meder in in paris I took the stage away, and the internet scrutinized me over it. it.
1: proved he shouldn't gift it, yeah, because he needs more time the next day.
0: And the opposite part is today (laughs) that, sure, it could be that he was like, okay, looking behind me, I can't be arsed to get past this guy. He can get it, okay? But, yeah, there's arguments to both sides, but my take on it is quite simple. In a a quote from my favorite TV show, Westworld, if no one can tell, does it really matter? So,
1: (laughs) I don't care. Deserved win by court. I think... I don't think it was gifted. I think Court won. I think Roglic left it too late, and yeah, they T didn't TJV didn't pace in the valley somewhat curiously before the climb and cost Roglic four seconds. Will it matter? Probably not. But that's what I think happened. I think Court was stronger. I think yeah, he just left it too late, and he was happy to sit on the other GC contenders when you know. Normally, you'd want a, a rider to pace for him with 1k left on a climb to, to really keep it going, but Matthews really had to do that job. Bagioli, as Benji mentioned, super talent, 22 years old, out of contract. He beat Roglic in an uphill short punch in Tudela last year, 2020, when Roglic was absolutely flying. He's crazy good, and yeah, I'd be. <laughs>
0: but inconsistent. I think last year's Vuelta was a bit weak, if I recall correctly. Is it?
1: Yeah, maybe. He's 22, he's 21 though, you know, like yeah, sure. I think he's, he's young and then Tudelani was good this year. He's not really, I think he had an issue, a knee injury or something. He won Royal Bernard mm-hmm. Drone Classic at the start of the year. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's crazy good. He's like Daryl Impi, uh, sort of, yeah, sort of style rider in my view, a little bit smaller, maybe better climber. Um, but otherwise. And Italian. Uh, yeah. an Italian. I mean, they don't have to be the same country. I was surprised. I think going back to the climb and the way it played out, um, I was going to be critical of bike exchange for pacing. Mm-hmm. i got a bit of egg on my face. I think Matthews physiologically showed today he could have won this stage yep. if certain things had played out. Um, i.e. If there was no break, if he sat on Roglic, that didn't happen. But still, he looked very, very good. I think Bernal, Benji, him losing four seconds to Vlasov and Maas, I personally, well, A, Roglic only putting four seconds into Vlasov and Maas suggests to me he left it very, very late. B. Bonal should not be losing four seconds to them on the road on this finish. And I think Narvaez and what happened at the start we talked about cost him uh, a lot. Um,
0: Yes, but I also don't think it's the end of the world because it's only four seconds here. So I think there's going to be minutes in certain stages that are coming. So I'm not too worried about that aspect. But hey, go ahead. Sorry.
1: Well, I mean... It's not the Giro. like uh, It was won on bonus seconds last year by Roglic, but then I think it's a very different mm-hmm. parkour here, which we did in a preview. The revised GC, Roglic now in the red jersey again, 25 seconds ahead of Mars. Lopez, it's, it's a Movistar it's 2-3-4. Mars on 25, Lopez on 36, Valverde on 41, same time as Bernal in fifth. Vlasov moves up to sixth on 53 seconds. He did a good TT, remember. Ciccone on 58 Julian Karmichan on the first of the guys from the other day. lands on 112. Aru is ahead of Yates on 10th on 117. Aru quietly, you know, he came back to the group at the end of Blanco the other day, Benji. Yep. Like he held on really, really well. Uh, so he, I want to talk about Ineos. That's what I want to ask you. But I've got two questions. First of all, Benji, which I wrote down this morning. If Pogacar was here, do you think Jambavism would have paced today? Assuming Roglic was like 8 to 15 seconds ahead of Pogacar in the GC standings before the stage.
0: I don't think so, because there's been a lot of occasions already where Pogacar has beaten Roglic after a, a last kilometer punch. And I feel like this is not just a sprint, this was also actually like a decent climb before the sprint, even though it's only two kilometers. It went more to the GC than I think a lot of people expected it to do. So, um, yeah, I think they wouldn't have missed because likely because of the prologue. I don't know. Who would be better at a prologue? Roughly. It's. I'd expect the same. So they'd be in the same situation, you know. They'd be in a situation where they're the person that everybody's focusing on. And perhaps it's a bit more shared if Pogacar's here but I wouldn't expect you, him to pace either.
1: But if you don't pace and gain time here on the bonuses on where you're the favorite, when are you going to gain the time? You've got the TT at the end. You want to rest rest it all on TT at the end? I don't know. Sure,
0: after TDF 2020, of course.
1: <laughs> I would have paced. Nah, like, Especially when Bex handed it to them. After that, when Bex handed it to them, I was like, yeah. you should have paced. But doesn't matter, four seconds, whatever. Second question, Benji. Ineos GC, Carapaz looks... He's lost a lot of time. He's not looking in great shape, but he's on 218. You've got to chase him if he goes in a later stage. Yates not looking good. I mean, this guy losing this on this climb, I think, is not good. Bernal Bernal, clearly their A-man now.
0: I would certainly expect so, but that doesn't mean that it can't change depending on the outcome of certain stage in the future. And I think we've uh, spoken a lot about Stage 7, which is uh, very much coming very soon. So uh, we'll discuss it a bit later in this podcast. But... I think that could play a role in in this entire discussion. Who is the leader for India as well? Depends on who ends up on top in the end, because they can still play it with all three, depending on whether they drop a few minutes more or not. Because right now, they're all in 2 minutes 18, if I recall, recall correctly, of the leader. So that's still a, a margin where you can play a tactical role and use co-leaders offensively like a Carapaz. To attack, for example, tomorrow. But once again, that's something we'll discuss in a second.
1: Tomorrow's stage, uh, you can probably tell I'm a lot more excited after today's stage. Tomorrow is one I was pumping up in the preview, just like stage seven of the tour, coincidentally. 152Ks long it's screaming raid to me. It In the first seven Ks, they open up with a 9.4K, 6.2% climb, but the first 4.5Ks are at 8.5%. That's Bass Country, Stage 6 Territory, right out the gate, descent, rolling ridge line, and then sort of 3Ks, 3.6%, then 7Ks, 5.2%, descent. There's no flat in this stage, just about. Then another, there's like 2.2Ks, 9% later on. A little roller with bonus seconds on top, 5Ks, 5.3%, similar to Norton Summit, actually, that climb with 13Ks to the finish, and then 8.4Ks at 6.4% the finish now if Yumbo Visma had an absolutely like dominant team that could control this and Robert would be the favorite for the stage but if I'm Bahrain, Victorious, Benji or if I'm Ineos I want to try something on that first climb and test out the Yumbo riders or and you know just try and replay Bass Country stage six try and slip riders into a break some satellite riders um, because I think yeah like You can just put a lot of pressure on with the 4k, 8.5% climb out the gate. I don't think Jumbo Visma will chase. I think they'll try and give Red away again and just defend. How do you see it playing out?
0: I think that they should indeed play a satellite rider role on the stage. And it will a little bit depend on one team that is a bit out of the question right now when it comes to this discussion. So we're talking about Jumbo being the defensive role. They're going to have to defend with Roglic. They're in the jersey again, but that might not be the same after the stage. But um, next to that, for example, Bahrain, they have multiple riders to try and get in a breakaway. Of course, you have Bahrain losing time today, so it's a bit less effective. But what if you put Trotnik in the breakaway, for example, and he has a bit of a gap with like a bunch of riders that want to go for the stage as well? Perhaps Ineos sends it Nervais. Oh, I think that's a good option to send in the breakaway on this one. Perhaps Ivan on Barla, either way, to be honest but um, those are two domestiques then for two leaders that I think Yumbo would have a hard time trying to control those attacks. And next to that, you've got Movistar, and that's where my issue lies. What the hell is Movistar going to do? Because they're currently sitting in second, third, and fourth. They don't need to risk all out crazy stuff, although they need to have a solid advantage before the time trial at the end, so they need to gain time. But are they willing to throw their eggs yeah. in the fire like that on stage like this? I doubt it. And I don't think so. that's where the issue lies with the other teams because Movistar is a team willing to pace down both Ineos and both Bahrain if it comes better for them, regardless of what Yambo is doing in this stage. So I think Movistar might be the savior of Yambo on this stage if something like that happens. But if a Trotnik or an Nerviz is in the breakaway, where do you attack with a Karapaz or a Padin or whatever then? And then you're thinking about either the uh, Puerto de Tondone. I think that's how it's called. I can't can't zoom in enough. Tudons, okay. Not Tondone. That's Italian. (laughs) And and after that, we've got the El El Coyao. Like either one of those two climbs where you try and bridge over. But I think if you go on the Tudons, then you're going to have to get rid of your satellite rider on the El Coyao climb already. And then you've got a valley section to the TV, and then you have to do downhill again towards the last climb. So you're doing a lot yourself than if you make a move like that towards your satellite rider because your satellite rider is not getting over Koyao if you do it on Your your move. So I think that's why they might not risk going so early and they might wait a bit longer if they do a tactic like this. But I think we love tactics and I think teams have often disappointed in that. So let's not get our hopes up too much, but I do hope somebody tries something like that.
1: I mean, they've got – I think Movistar, you got to remember their goal. I think Valverde said it's just a podium on GC, and right now they're sitting 2-3-4. So as Benji said, do they need to really go all out tomorrow? Uh, it's really, they've got a really deep team. They could. Tr- I'd love to see them try something, and I think it'd be pretty effective. Bahrain, actually, their guys aren't as far back on GC as I thought Benji. Maz nope. on two thirteen, Padun two forty five, Hague three oh six, poles three nineteen, Bahrain have to try something tomorrow. If they just have a simple plan, everyone rides in front of Lander, protects Lander for the rest of this welter, they I'm gonna can't cry. Win. They can't win. Like okay. it's it literally pointless. Like you lost twenty seven seconds. So you no. start going for stages with some of these guys or use them aggressively and the, you know, Hague looked better today. So Use them aggressively tomorrow. That's what I would do. They got the team for it. Tratnik can help in valleys. Astana Benji. Do you see uh, the Izaguero brothers and Luis Leon and Fraile helping Lasov? <laughs> I have a feeling that they're working together pretty well yeah, I think uh, so. recently
0: because they were even pacing for Aramburu for a bloody intermediate sprint on day two. So if you're doing that, then you're sticking together quite well. But the question is, is Floss of the kind of rider that is so offensive in the middle of the stage and tries to do something like that? And that's where I'm like, nah, I don't believe it. I think he's gonna be the rider that tries to stay consistent throughout the Grand Tour and try and benefit from other people losing time in stages to move up in GC and therefore try and end in the top five Ola Velta. But uh, yeah, I don't see him attacking in the middle of the stage. But then again, Astana, Basque Country, that's where he's stage
1: eight. And yeah, that's, that's when true. Vlasov was there too, when they called back Louis Leon from the break. Yeah, and that's that, true. That gorge as well. So Seriously, tomorrow's a really I love it. You, these guys have to try. If they're not, then just go for the podium on GC, or that's what they're doing. Um, yep. But yeah, it, we're just talking, we're doing our armchair DS stuff. Hope break you enjoyed. Win? Oh, break win! Yeah, I think probably a break. To be honest, Michael
0: Storer, I think oh, Marte's
1: out of GC. I said, did I say Aaron'sman in the preview? I don't remember at all. I, <laughs> I like Aaronsman here as well, uh, but he's not – looks so good. But, yeah, Stora looks mad strong. He's on GC though, Benji. Is it – is he – oh, is he – no, he's at 12.55 online. Yeah, Stora looks really, really strong. He looks stronger than Bardet and some other stages. He's stage. speaking
0: for third week in GC, you know.
1: I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, is he allowed to win? I guess he's already got the contract elsewhere because he won that stage. He's at Group Armour next year. <laughs> is he allowed, allowed to win? He's a well, brilliant mate. After he won at Tour de Lain, he got –
0: <laughs> no, but I think that he's going to be fighting on the last climb against other people and his saddle his is gonna be two millimetres too low to actually
1: get that final pungent and and lose the stage that way, I'm afraid. Can Court win again? <laughs> I really like <laughs> Court for this stage. Um and yeah, I've just been apparently told that they're griffin vultures in the photo that tried to kill me today. But yeah, I don't know who my pick is. I still like Timon and Aaronsman or um Good pick. Yeah, I'm sticking with him. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Give it a like down below if you did. The Vuelta is back on, and we'll see you to recap of Stage 7 tomorrow. Ciao.